Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is episode 15 with Ricky Shetty. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast. Where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxit. This was a fantastic conversation I had with uh, Ricky Shetty. It was so, so fluid. Definitely one of my uh, favorite interviews so far. And we, we talked about you know, different ways to make an impact, how it's important to really start doing what you want to do now and not procrastinating, and how the mission to change the world really starts with you. Stay tuned. Enjoy the episode. And please, please leave comments. This is going to be on the blog at tyroxin.com slash 015 for show notes. And, hey, I'm always around. Drop me a, a note, say hi, and i love to chat. Enjoy the episode. Welcome, everybody. Today, I'm excited to have Ricky Shetty here with me. He is a daddy blogger, visionary, husband, father, and a marketer event planner, event producer, and best-selling author. I know that's a lot, but uh, welcome to the show, Ricky. Great to be on the show. Thanks so much for having me today, Tayo. Uh, no, no. Pleasure's all mine. So, you know, I went through a lot saying your background because obviously you're a man of many talents, but can you, can you give us, give the audience a little bit more about who Ricky Shetty is? Sure, yeah, that was a great intro, Tayo. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah, like you said, my name is Ricky Shetty. I'm uh, born and raised in Vancouver, Canada, so the opposite side of the continent from you over there in New York. Uh, so I was born and raised in Vancouver, but I mean, my background is Indian, so both my parents are from India. They immigrated here. I was born here. But then, um, you know, after being born here, I actually ended up uh, living on four different continents. So I've, uh, I've actually lived in Europe uh, doing a working holiday visa. Then I lived in Japan teaching English, and I studied over there in Australia. And then now I'm back in Vancouver because my parents live here, and now I'm married, a couple of kids. I've uh, 
lived on four, four continents and also traveled to 40 countries. And I have like a, I guess a dual identity, you know, like the Canadian identity, the Indian identity. And also I'm married to a Filipino and we have mixed kids. So there's a lot of culture oh mixed into my personal identity. So that's why when I found out about your show, I felt it was a perfect fit. <laughs> No, yeah, I think I mean you know you and I both identify with four different continents. Then uh, I think yeah, I, I'm, I'm missing South America and Australia. So you, you got Australia. I, I need to get there so so I can complete the tour. Make sure I have all the continents. <laughs> hey, we, we both should go to Antarctica together. Then oh, we'll have crack. <laughs> yes, yes, that, that is. The, <laughs> um, so you 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 mentioned uh, the, you know the fact that you know you sort of have these dual identities. Well, what do you say you identify with most, uh, Indian or Canadian or which one or both? Uh, that's a great question, Tayo. I think uh, obviously I'm a mix of both because I'm born in Vancouver, Canada, but my parents are Indian, so I have both influences. But I feel the biggest influence is where I'm born and raised. So because, um, you know, like all I knew was Canadian culture, uh, whereas like uh, even though my parents were from India, I didn't identify as much with that Indian cultural roots that I have. And uh, part of my journey in terms of finding my own identity was actually going to India for seven months on a backpacking pilgrimage, you know, uh, in my mid-twenties. So after I finished university, I went to India where my, I guess, my motherland is, and I went to explore and uh, learn about you know, my, where my parents were born, uh, or you kind of where our, our cultural roots are. And it really helped me ground in who I am, not just as a Canadian-born, Indian, but also like a, a person of Indian origin. So now I feel I balance the two, but at the end of the day, I feel if you ask me to choose one or the other, I would definitely identify with Canadian. Uh, no, no, I mean, that's that's often the case. I think I was, I'm going to talk about this later on, but Canada is a place where many people, at least some of the parts of Canada, a place where it's like a melting pot. So mm -hmm. a lot of people are there. Okay. Um, so you traveled, lived, and worked in several countries. Can you tell us what you learned from your time uh, overseas? I, I know a lot of your travels were were they on purpose or were they just work? Were, were they just trying to find something to do with your career? Um, yeah, I mean the travels were very intentional in terms of I was really trying to um, understand myself, understand other people, understanding cultures, understanding the world. Right. I think one of the best ways to understand ourselves, others, people, the world is really through uh, tra travel because I mean living in Vancouver or wherever you're living, I mean, in New York, yeah, you, yeah. there are many cultures around you, yet it's very different than, like, uh, you know, there might be the Greek, the Italian, the, the Indian, the French culture around you. It's very different than if you went to actually Italy or Greece or France, or, um, etc. So I think um, this, I, I, I can't even describe the actual impact the traveling has. Uh, it's only when someone has traveled that they'll actually understand it. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like the analogy of like, uh, I don't know, maybe having sex or uh, getting married or having kids. I think until you've actually done it, you don't really get it. So <laughs> <laughs> with, with travel, I think I've learned just the fact that uh, I was able to summarize it. People are fundamentally the same, yet they're fundamentally different. Because they're the same, because at the end of the day, we're all humans, we have emotions, we all have needs, like uh, the need to love and be loved, or need to have family around us, the need to have purpose, uh, to connect with perhaps a God or, or, or ourselves and also people around us. So this need for connection, uh, this need for purpose, etc., I think that's very intrinsic to us as humans. Yeah. We're so different. I mean, if you look at just like uh, Japan, where I lived in, to Canada, they're both westernized, yet they're so different. And if you look at Indian, India and Canada, so different again. 
So I think the sameness and this difference is really something I'm interested in learning about. And I think it's great that you have this podcast to kind of uh, unravel the mystery of uh, culture and people more. So on you and, uh, you know, encourage more people to travel and discover what life and the people and the world is all about. No, no, thank you very much. And, you know, I think you touched on a, a really important uh, important thing there. And I think uh, in nomads, out, nomads out there can identify with you know, that idea that we were, you know, we're the same yet different. You know, we're all part of the human, human race. I always say that, which is funny to me because you know, a lot of times a lot of emphasis is focused on, you know, you're black, you're white, you're green, you're yellow. But, you know, if you really think about it, we're, there's, we're part of the human race. Um, yeah, we are different in the sense that, you know, we come from different countries, we speak different cultures, and, and, and it's great that we are, these are beautiful things that, that we are different, the things that we should embrace and use as a chance to learn from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think a lot of uh, times that gets lost and people don't really focus, and people are afraid of change and don't like to embrace something they're not used to. So I, I think it's cool that you went, went out there to actually seek that. You wanted to learn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the, us at the inside, if you uh, skin open, we're all the same color. We all have red inside us, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Blood, uh, blood. So we might have the black, brown, red, uh, yellow, and white on the outside. What's really important is on what's in the inside at the end of the day. Nah, that's good. That's good. So you, you travel, you want to see connection, and you want for education. So that's all right. Um, how many countries would you say you've been to, if you can count? <laughs> yeah, I've been to over forty countries. I would say primarily in Europe and Asia. Like Europe, I would say about. 25, 30 countries and about 10 countries in Asia. And then, uh, you know, North America and Australia and New Zealand. I haven't done much of Africa or South America yet. Those are my two big uh, next destinations to cover those two huge continents. Nah, that's, that's insane. And, you know, I, I, I need to get on the South America thing too. That's, that's one that I, I, I haven't visited extensively. So uh, South America and then we, we can go on that trip to Antarctica. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. Uh, okay, all right. So, since when you go to all these countries, obviously there are different cultures. How do you connect with them? Or what is one thing that you do, or maybe several things that you do to make sure that you find common ground the locals and feel at home? Yeah, that's a great question too, Tayo. Uh, you know, a lot of us as tourists, when we go from North America to uh, other countries, usually what we do is we just stay in our own bubbles. We look for people who speak English, and uh, we basically do the typical tourist things. But the problem is when you're doing the typical tourist things, you're just hanging out with the tourists. You're not really getting to know the local culture. Uh, so what I did differently is used, uh, for example, I used a website called Couchsurfing.com, and I basically stayed with locals when I was traveling around. Um, uh, in Europe, I did more of the hostel scene, so I was actually connected with other travelers from around the world. I find because I did that, even though hostels are cool and it's cheap, I couldn't connect as well with the local um, people. But when I did the Couchsurfing thing, it's all local people hosting you. So basically, I'd go to Couchsurfing, and I'd go to like a city like Kuala Lumpur or Bangkok, and I'd, uh, I'd message them, saying, hey, I'm from Vancouver, Canada, I'm coming down to Bangkok, uh, looking to stay with the local, and, you know, I'd obviously like to teach them about uh, Canadian culture, and also I'd like to uh, learn about Thai culture. And then I get a few responses, and out of that, I would just end up staying with the uh, Sometimes it'll be one person for three or four days and then another person for three or four days. So I would say um, in my uh, experience, couch surfing and using a few different sites like Hospitality Club, I've stayed in about 50 to 60 different couches in local people's homes. And that's been really revolutionary in terms of saving money traveling, also really connecting at a deeper level with the locals because you're actually staying in their home. 
and you're uh, you're talking to them and you're connect you're seeing how they live on a daily day to day basis. So I highly recommend um you know this is whole house swapping thing. I like to do that next, but <laughs> if you're more of a backpacking type, you know, uh, um, then I definitely recommend the whole couch surfing route. No, that's you know I haven't heard of that. So that that's good that you brought that up. And um, I I think I think you know what you just described is it's very different from going out there. You know, you go there, you book a hotel, and then and then you know you sort of have to fend for yourself. But there you you're in a way you still have to fend for yourself, but you're forced to interact with locals. Um, you know, yeah. You, yeah, you you have to go a little bit beyond using the the uh, the keywords. You know, you, now you have to actually form sentences in the in, in languages, uh, so that 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 forces some sort of con uh, connection and interaction. So, yeah, like yeah. just like for example, if you Tayo came from New York to Vancouver and you stayed with me, I'd be able to give you a much better experience uh, showing you around because I show you all, all the local places rather than you staying in this expensive hotel in downtown. And just going to the typical three or four or five tourist attractions. So uh, even though we might be both from Western cultures, like both North American, you mm know, -hmm. Canadian, you're American, but still, just as a local, I could help you out way more. And I'm sure you could do the same for me if I came and stay with you in New York. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. And um, no, I think it's good. I think uh, the important thing here is the fact that the people here, the people you connect with in the countries, are, are you know, that's how you learn. So um, I think it's great. It's good. Okay, so if let's transition here into your personal life. I know you, you mentioned it earlier. You said you were married to a Filipino and you have these amazingly beautiful kids. And, and that's also contributing to a wonderful mix and a very different background. So what's it like being married to someone from a different culture and then raising multicultural kids? You know, I mean, how do you, how, how do you answer all, all the questions they might have, you know? What's the whole thing? It's funny. Your podcast call is called "As Told by Nomads," and now now I feel like because I'm married with kids, I'm not as much of a nomad in the literal sense of the world. You know, like traveling as much anymore. Now I'm more of the settled down, married with kids kind of lifestyle. But even though we're we're you know like kind of more stabilized now in terms of our lifestyle, we still like to be nomadic in terms of doing road trips or uh, little excursions here and there. So I don't want to give up on that. Uh, Nomadic, I guess the you know, the backpacking, uh, 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 cult, you know, the traveling um, um, passion I have. Uh, so in terms of um, you know marriage and family, um, I actually met my wife at a, a little church here in Vancouver, so we both share the same faith. So even though we're from different cultures, we share the same faith, which actually helps bond us together. Uh, but it, but there are a lot of challenges with being married to someone of a different culture because she was born in the Philippines, I was born in Vancouver. So that alone, um, so there's I would say multiple challenges. There's the first the personality challenge, just the fact that we're different people. Then there's the gender challenge, the fact that we're different genders. And thirdly is the cultural uh, differences. So um, it's hard enough just being married, but so <laughs> it's hard even. But it's hard. It's even harder to be married to someone of a different gender, of a different culture. Uh, so it's been um, a definitely a huge learning experience. Um, like, for example, Filipinos, they're much more family-oriented. Like, for example, she would bring her family here, and they just want to stay with us. And I'd be like, no, I'm not uncomfortable with us, them staying here indefinitely. And then we'd have little squabbles back and forth, and also uh, money to the Philippines. It's very natural for Filipinos to do that. And, and here in Canada or in the West, uh, we're a little bit more, um, um, I guess, usually family. A family is 
husband, wife, and kids, <laughs> and, and not as much the extended family, like helping the mom, the dad, the, the, the brothers and sisters. So that's something I had to kind of like shift. I had to shift myself in terms of, okay, uh, I'm no longer you know, just married to a Canadian. I'm married to a Filipino with a different uh, culture value system. So I had to adjust, and obviously she had to adjust too, right? She had to obviously respect my uh, value system. So it's been a, uh, we've been married for three three years, and uh, it's been um, um, uh, adventures and a challenging journey. i got to be honest about that. Um, uh, it's been a good journey. At the end of the day, they've, they've been ups and downs, but uh, we're still married, which is always like whenever I see people married uh, for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, I always give them a round of applause because <laughs> marriage is definitely a difficult thing. And I, I can almost see why the divorce rate is like 50% plus because it's so difficult, so easy to give up. Um, and in terms of the kids, like we have uh, two beautiful kids, as you mentioned. One is uh, two years old, her name's Rianne, and we have a nine month old son whose name is Ryan. So, Boy and a girl, and we're trying to teach them about almost three cultures now because we're trying to teach them about the Canadian culture where they're both raised in, uh, born and raised in. We also try to teach them about my um, Indian ethnic culture, and we also try to teach them about my wife's um, Filipino ethnic culture, right? Mm. So, and also just about cultures generally. So, it's, obviously, those three would be the primary cultures because they're obviously a mix of me and my wife, and they're born here. So, um, we do that through, you know, just like, for example, we went to the Philippines last year to visit my wife's family, and uh, we plan to go to India so they can visit my extended family. So, um, and then they have to choose where they, they identify with, right? Just like I had to choose between, not between Indian and Canadian, but um, more about which would I see as a benefit for me, and they'll make that same decision when they grow up as well. No, no, that, that's amazing. I think you touched on a few things there. You were talking about how, you know, you know, for your marriage and everything, all that to work, education was really important. You have to understand, uh, you know, where she was coming from. She had to do the same for you as well. And it's just the understanding that people of different cultures do things differently. Um, and your kids are living, living, living proof of being a third culture kid. You know, they have, <laughs> they have all, all these, all these cultures experience. And, and, you know, I, I can say the same thing. Um, I, when I, you know, as a diplomatic kid, it's, you know, you have all these countries you grow up in, and that's why I really identify with the third culture kid word, because it's, it's, you don't have to choose one. It's okay mm -hmm. to, to embrace, you know, the fact that you're a mix of, of others, and it's okay. And a lot of times, I think growing up, I, I struggled a little bit with, uh, you know, with the fact that, well, do, am I this, am I that? But, you know, once you sort of embrace that, you know, you're, you're a person of the world, sort of becomes easier and okay to identify yourself. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that's good. I think you're you're definitely up to something there. So uh, I can't wait to see what the little mini Shetty's do in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. And one day I'm sure we're going to meet. I'm going to either visit you in New York or you're going to come up here to Vancouver. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference. Uh, and then, yeah, that's something I try to live by every day. What is one way you use your difference to make a difference? I, I love that mission statement. That's uh, that's brilliant because we're we're different in so many ways. We're not just different in terms of a, a color or a, a culture or a, 
I think it's we're different just as individuals, right? So every human being on this planet is different. And we can use that difference, that uniqueness, the, that individuality to actually make a, a difference on a global scale. And, that, uh, and I think um, making a difference globally or changing the world is really right in front of us. It doesn't have to be changing the world for little kids who are starving in Africa or in India or the Philippines. It could be just helping a homeless person in the streets of Vancouver or New York. Right. It, could be right. it could be just being a good dad to my two kids. It could be just being um, the best friend I can be to someone in need, right? So right. I think it's really about making an impact where you are. So currently I'm in Vancouver and I don't have access. I mean, I can obviously donate to kids in Africa or wherever else. But right now I'm here in Vancouver, so I'm making a difference. And uh, I do a few things locally, like uh, I'm big into community building. You mentioned I do events and, uh, and productions. So I, I would say at the heart of what I do here locally, besides doing daddy bloggers, uh, I run local communities around people, um, with people with a common purpose. So I have a community of local bloggers, I have a community of local foodies, I have a community of local dads, I have a community of local photographers. And my goal is really to build this community uh, because a lot of people are searching and yearning and longing for community because we live in an idea of just like the I generation, right? The iPhone, the MySpace, uh, you know, everything's I-centric. And I think we need to shift it into a we-centricity. Like, uh, it's not about me anymore, because if it's all about me, we're going to destroy this planet, we're going to destroy each other. But if we come at it more from the angle of it's about we, it's about us, it's about the human race, I think we're going to... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We're going to be living way more at peace, and I know it's, it's an ideal, but it's actually a reality. If we can and operate on that like how it started with if we can do that outside our door in with our neighbors in, in, a, in our neighborhood in a suburb we can really transform our suburbs um and if we transform our suburbs we transform our cities if we transform our cities we transform our provinces and states transform the country and then we transform the world really but where does it start it starts with being the change that the world needs right being, and being that change where we live just locally around us yeah no i, I think you're right you know it's fellow Indian uh, Gandhi that said, be the change that you want to be. Uh, but no, you, you're exactly right. I think a lot of times when people talk about being difference makers, people always often you know, try to compare themselves to you know, the, the people that you see in the news, but it really starts from, from where you are. You know, it can start from your home. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm an older brother of three. Uh, you know, I have three, two younger brothers. That's one way I try to make a difference. Uh, mm-hmm. Or just, you know, we, you could do with someone a friend or a local go mentor someone but it mm. starts with one person you know and then that 
hopefully sets up a chain reaction of that. So, yeah, good. You're dropping all these nuggets, Ricky. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, man. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to share whatever little wisdom I have. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Okay. Um, so here at As Told by Nomads, we like to discover new ways to embrace our identity. Can you talk about a time when you overcame a challenge by accepting who you were, you know, and just embracing that, that identity? Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, one of my challenges growing up was actually... Um, a little bit on a personal note, like my parents actually had a, quite a terrible marriage. There was domestic violence, uh, adultery, then they ended up divorcing. And I would say if I had to identify one challenge, that identity was really the divorce of my parents. And we, we, we were using the term here, third, third culture kids, but there's also the, there's a, there's this whole identity of the children of divorce. Uh-huh. And how it affect, how does divorce divorce affect children? And it, uh, I mean, if we look at the divorce rate, it's like fifty percent plus, and it's uh, who's it going to affect at the end of the day? It's going to affect obviously the husband. It's going to affect the wife, but but primarily it's going to affect the children. And when the children are affect, affected, it really affects affects everyone. It affects all as a whole, right? Because the children are a next generation. So my struggle growing up was really about. Um, overcoming uh, my parents' divorce and really uh, not blaming myself because a lot of children of divorce, they actually blame themselves so while their parents separate and there's all this guilt and shame and confusion and like, you know, uh, I'm from my parents, but why do they separate? And I mean, it's different for everyone, obviously. Like uh, uh, every child of divorce um, uh, struggles with it, I think. Um, uh, but I think they overcome it to different degrees. Some who don't have a father figure, they end up in jail. So they end up as murderers or rapists. And you look at the jail population and you look at them really deeply on a psychological basis. A lot of them actually have an absent father figure. Um, but in terms of me, like uh, there was this, uh, I guess, this yearning and longing to understand who I am, I'm independent of my parents. Um, and that, that took me a while. Like I would say I, I actually was quite shy, introverted, and insecure in high school. In university, I started... Um, Building my confidence in terms of just getting jobs that forced me to be confident. Um, you know, finding my faith. Like, I grew up Hindu, which is a whole different story, by the way. But I grew up Hindu, became a Christian. So, it was a really big change in identity in terms of my faith identity. And then traveling around the world. And, um, you know, and then once I was about to get married and have kids, that's when the fear started again, right? The fear of um, getting divorced. The fear of um, uh, repeating the mistakes of my parents. The fear of being a good dad, right? And that's by part of the way why I started actually Daddy Vlogger is to be the best that I can be and try to process, um, you know, what it means to be a dad and um, and also help other dads who have maybe come from a similar background as me. So this is this is a lifelong journey. It wasn't really one moment. I would say just uh, it was overcoming challenges after the challenge and just really uh, fine tuning who I am as a result of that. There's this whole thing about the diamond, right? Uh, the diamond gets polished through adversity. Mm. Wow. Yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. To be, it's been a. I mean, the people know me now, and they wouldn't really know about my background in history. But uh, when they do, it helps put it into context about why I'm passionate about the family unit and marriage and about uh, father. Those are, I would say, are my biggest passions. Uh, because if you have strong families, then you have a strong society, and if you have broken families, you have a broken society. Wow. You know, Ricky, I couldn't even agree with you more. You you were saying all that. And I was, I was just nodding my head here. You can't see me because it, it, it's so true. I mean, it, you know, they say charity starts at home. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think, you know, you figuring out early on that you didn't want to be, 
you saw what, what family was like for you and you said no that that's not what you wanted to be like um mm -hmm. i think that's 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 really key and i think that's awesome that, you, that you've done that um and we're going to talk more about daddy blogger soon and i think it's it's great how you're building this community about people and showing them that you know different ways to you know to connect and just bond um i i, th I think that's amazing i think a lot of times people forget the the actual importance of, of that, having that stability and, you know, and a support system um, that the family can that can actually have um, and a lot of, and then you know being a daddy blogger as well that's also something that's not also emphasized on enough because uh, having a father figure does tremendously uh, good things for for kids all over so. I think yeah, you can, you can do incredibly good things, but you can do incredibly bad things, right? Yeah, so having a bad. strong, stable father and a strong, stable family can really help form a, the future in your kids. But having a broken family, absent father or alcoholic father or even like, you know, alcoholic mother too. I mean, you shouldn't always blame the dads because sometimes the moms are bad too. But usually it tends, for some reason, it seems to be the dads are usually the ones that are bad and the moms are the ones that are good. But can't stereotype too much. But yeah, either way, I think having a broken family is going to affect you as an individual to some degree, right? No, I, I, I agree. Um, uh, it's completely true. So okay, all right. Well, well, I I think we'll, we'll talk about Daddy Blogger soon because I, I really want to dive into that. I think that's, um, uh, that's something that not a lot of people are doing, and I'm glad you are. Uh, but I just wanted to get some tips from you a little bit before we went to that because um, I, I know you lived in multiple countries, and I know a lot of the audience out, out there for this podcast, they, you know, they, they're looking, they might be looking to travel, to do the same. Um, or they might be looking for jobs or different things. So I just wanted to know if you could share a little bit about how, what it's like to work in multiple countries, you know, and, and if you have any advice for, for someone, what would, what's the best mindset to go with in saying, hey, I know I'm about to dive into this nomadic adventure here, so how can I sustain myself? How can I, uh, you know, make sure I, I connect with family and not lose touch with where I'm from? And how can I uh, just enjoy what I'm doing? Yeah, um, I mean, that's a great question. And it's almost like a few books books in itself for a separate thing. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's all good, all good. Uh, but I would say, like, uh, if someone who wants to travel, I mean, obviously, there's this whole uh, saying, just do it, right? Because, like, you can think about it, you can plan for it, you can strategize for it. Uh, you can read books about it. But at the end of the day, you got to pack your bags and jump on the plane and then just learn as you go, right? Uh, uh, but but I think um, in terms of just like obviously you need to save some money for it. But uh, you can also work overseas. Like the the um, uh, I know in, I'm not sure about the situation in the U.S. But in Canada, part of the Commonwealth, like the former British Empire. So with Canadians, we can actually work in any of the Commonwealth countries. Like I can work in Australia, New Zealand. Uh, England, South Africa, uh, Malaysia, Singapore. There's a lot of like former British colonies where Canadians can work in. So if there's anyone li listening from any of those, um, we can do that um, until we are 30s. So we can work uh, on, a, it's called a working holiday visa. Um, and that's obviously a good way to travel because you can work and travel at the same time. But he, like in the U.S. too, there's uh, this like wolf, uh, wolf. Basically, it's like uh, working uh, on organic farms. Uh, is the acronym working on organic farms? Oh, okay. Wolf, uh, W-O-F. And basically, you can just live on a farm in uh, anywhere around the world. There's a whole, a whole program around that. Uh, um, 
uh, there's also like uh, cultural exchanges that you can do, like student exchange, uh, house exchange, uh, like I mentioned earlier, the couch surfing thing. Um, and you can just do it for the summer. But I would say, like, you know, something like just backpacking, doing, staying in the hostels, that's a good way to save money, money because, um, you know, like the biggest cost would obviously be the hotel stays, right? Yeah. And that could yeah. be anywhere from 80 to 100 plus. But, uh, if you stay in a hostel, that could uh, be as little as like 20 bucks a day in Europe. If you're staying in like Asia, that's as little as like two or three dollars. You can have your own private single room for a couple of bucks a night, uh, which is incredible. And you can actually travel a, a long way for um, and a long time uh, for a very, really, relatively cheap price. So anywhere from like twenty bucks a day could cover you, uh, including uh, food, accommodation, and a little bit of like you know train and bus. Uh, so people um, assume that travel is expensive, but if you do it properly, you can actually do it quite economically, um, especially if you're doing it in Asia or some of the third world countries, it's super cheap. If you're backpacking, again, it's super cheap. So I think it's just uh, important to, you know, there are also a lot of travel bloggers you can learn from travel bloggers and also other travelers. And I'm happy to share my experience of how I traveled to about 40 countries and lived around the world. Mm, yeah, no, no, I, I, um, that hostel thing is, is definitely one way to save a lot of money. Um, I think for sure, uh, just, uh, you know, it cuts down costs tremendously. It's just <laughs> in so many ways. Um, and then they also, you, you learn a lot that way as well. Cause you're, you know, you're forced to interact with the locals, uh, mm -hmm. in ways you would not have interacted in the hotel where a lot of times, you know, they, they speak English or the, whatever the major language is of the world. So, uh, yeah, no. Okay. No, I think it's good. Um, so Save by using hostels. Try using back. Try backpacking. You might. I mean, I've never backpacked, but you never know what could happen with backpacking. Um, and uh, if your if your country's connected with other countries, take advantage of that. Nigeria is actually a Commonwealth country as well. Um, oh, there you go. There yeah. You go. <laughs> so I didn't know. So you never know the networks you can. So make advantage of take advantage of whatever connections your country might have with that country that could open opportunities. I know. It, Teachers teaching abroad also has a different network, um, so that's that's good. Okay, um, so back to Daddy Blogger because I, I really like the story. Um, you enjoy community building, um, and uh, you, you obviously want to create this network of supporting dads. And I know you do the same for bloggers and all that. So just just talk about all the all the things you do and why you like to do community building. Why Daddy Blogger is so passionate to you? Um, something that's passionate that you're passionate about. And all the things you're involved in. Uh, the floor is yours. Take it away. Do it. Everywhere. Let us know. <laughs> sure. I mean, I guess I kind of shared a little bit of, uh, I, um, you know, background into why I'm so passionate about father and family marriage, right? Because of the whole, whole breakdown of my own family. And uh, uh, kind of one of the states, uh, statements I use, like, uh, I like how you have this mission statement. Um, um, use your difference, make a difference, right? Mm -hmm. And one of my, I guess, like little catchphrases is, my greatest pain has become my greatest passion. And my greatest pain was the whole breakdown of my family, the lack of a father figure. And now that's my greatest passion is really to empower dads, to build up strong families, to build up strong marriages. And I, I think that happens with a, with a lot of us who have a passion. Uh, it comes from a place of brokenness and it's a come from a place of confusion. And we have uh, healed and we've fixed it and now we're in a place of wholeness. And now we can fully make an impact. And the reason we impact is because we can identify and understand those of us, uh, those of other people who are still struggling with what we're struggling through, right? So, 
uh, I, I think my story is not a unique one. Uh, I mean, it's unique to me, but at the same time, it's very um, prevalent. If you have a 50% divorce rate, that means a lot of broken kids. Uh, those broken kids, uh, it's going to affect them to some degree. Um, either they're going to like, um, you know, they're going to like basically like uh, use use the brokenness as an outlet. Um, it could be quite destructive, or they're going to really hold it in. And uh, if they hold it in, that could actually be even more destructive than just uh, lashing out, right? So if there's no some kind of healing, uh, because the, um, we all as humans are broken to some degree, but I think especially like a family breakdown or a divorce that can really break us and uh, really wound us. And I think we have these wounds. Um, um, there's actually a book on this called The Father Wound. Um, and I think no matter how good or how bad our father is, we all have these wounds because um, our, our dad's unperfect, right? We could have a good or bad dad, but they might be too busy working or uh, they might have left when they're young. So I think it's really important to, um, first of all, um, admit and uh, understand we have the wound, but then also see healing of that wound. And uh, um, we don't really have this culture, um, you know, in North America of the rites of passage, for example. Um, I, I don't know, in Nigeria, your ethnic background, they probably do have a rite of passage, right? Yeah, yeah. There's some, I mean, with many cultures, the, uh, tribes in Nigeria, they, they have similar sort of rites of passage. Um, I know in South, you know, in other African countries as well, but, you know, it's some families participate, some don't. It really depends on the family you grow up in. Yeah, and I think that the whole uh, philosophy, the whole, uh, um, the whole, um, uh, the whole structure around rite of passage is a really important one because, like, there's a kid, and a kid through the rite of passage becomes a man. And in our Western culture, we don't have this rite of passage, so we actually have all these adult kids who haven't really fully grown up. They're still like acting like immature. Uh, immature adults. Uh, uh, so even it affects their dating life. It affects the way they function in jobs. Uh, it affects the function just uh, in ma managing the finances. So and I usually the rite of passage. I think it happens between like father and son, or between father and, and uh, usually between men. Like men, men that, like if you look look at the traditional African cultural tribal rituals, it's really about the men teaching the the kid to hunt or the man teaching the kid to uh, survive on their own in the wild, right? And we don't really have that in North American culture. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's really important, uh, 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 that whole thing about the rite of passage. So, um, um, yeah, I kind of got off topic a little, but I think I didn't, I guess with me personally in terms of daddy blogger, I guess becoming a husband and father is my right of passage uh, uh, because I didn't really have the right of passage in my teenage years and my 20s I was like kind of like this immature backpacker guy I didn't really have any purpose or vision or mission I just that's why I was traveling to discover that purpose vision and mission and uh, even like jumping between jobs and jumping uh, even like you know majors in university really trying to figure out myself um, and, and now I think I've, I've got it. <laughs> I've got uh, no, it. I think you have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got it because uh, I was able to really identify with um, what's my greatest passion, and I think it's so important on a global level to 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 share this passion because um, obviously the role of the dad in the family is so important. But there are a lot of dads who are so passionate in terms of sharing this passion in terms of writing a blog and forming a group, writing a book, et cetera, right? I mean, there are a lot of awesome dads who are just living their daily life, their lives as a dad, so, so kudos to them, good on them, right? No, but I yeah. guess I wanted to take it to a different level in terms of like, there's so many resources, so 
books, so many websites, all geared to his mom's, like, uh, uh, using, and they all to do with, like, pregnancy and hormones, and, like, uh, as a dad, as a man, I couldn't really get it. I was like, I just want to be a good dad. That's all I want to do. And I couldn't find many resources just to help me do that, right? Yeah. So that's why I ended up just, hey, why don't I just start creating resources? So I started at Ibloga.com on December 1st of 2012. So it's been running, um, you know, almost uh, two years. It'll be two years this December. And it's basically a daily blog where I write about being a dad. I also interview different dads. Kind of like what you're doing with me, I like to interview different dads about their experiences and what they've learned from the journey in parenting. I also wrote a book um, where interview, uh, actually I took all those interviews, 100 interviews I did with different dads, and I put that in book form. And I also locally here in Vancouver, I run group for dads. Um, so that's a little bit about the background of why I started that blogger and my passion to just support and empower uh, dads, either locally in Vancouver or around the world. No, I love it. I love it. Um, and um, I think... I think it's cool that you tapped into a market that they uh, you felt needed to be. I, I also agree um, that you know it, it needs to be something that people learn about more. Uh, I'm not a dad yet, but you know I I, I love kids, and um, I, I hopefully when when I, when it's my turn, I'll you know I'll be a, a great one. But I, I'm I'm definitely uh, a fan, and I'll put all the links in the show notes so everybody knows the different things and different ways they can reach out to you. So. But um, so we, it, the time has flown. I mean, I, it's the end of the interview. Um, but before we leave, I, I want you to give give the audience a chance to talk about uh, you know where they can find you, and kind of the things that you're up to. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, the easiest way to find me and connect with me is just my website. It's daddyblogger.com, and I have all the different connections there on my social media. So I'm. Uh, quite active on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Google+, Plus, uh, Instagram, all the, all the social media. So if you just go to daddymonga.com, you can sign up for email updates. You can connect with me on Facebook. And, uh, you know, I interview different dads, too. So if you're a dad listening or if you know any dads, uh, I'd love to interview them just about their experience. And I just love to connect with people in the end of the day. So, yeah, connect with me at daddybogger.com. Yeah, and he's not kidding about being on Facebook. I try to add him on Facebook. And he said, they said it's reached the friend limit, so I couldn't actually add him. So, yes, he's a very social guy. Connected him, very friendly. And uh, uh, thank you, Ricky. So, Tayo, I'm going to actually delete some people just so I can add you. So, we're going to be soon. <laughs> stay, stay tuned. We'll be Facebook buddies in, a, in, a, in the next few days. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored. I'm honored. Uh, and uh, once again, thank you so much for this. I really appreciate it. <laughs> You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.